Welcome to the Renovate Church Sermon Podcast. At Renovate Church, we are passionate about teaching God's Word in such a way that you really get to know the heart and character of God and where you can apply the truth of Scripture to every aspect of living. We believe that God's Word is relevant and has the power to transform your life. We're excited for this most recent sermon and we hope it blesses and encourages you. transition to our message uh, at this point. And so we've been in this DNA series, and um, I want to really talk this morning. Last week we talked about trials, and I want to continue to talk about trials this morning uh, because it is a consistent thing that you see from Genesis to Revelation. You see God's people having to navigate and work through and endure trials. And uh, in 1 Peter 4, 12 through 13, and it'll be on the screen, Peter is writing, and he says something similar to what we saw James say last week in James 1 and James 5. And Peter says this, he says, Dear friends, do not be surprised at the fiery trial that has come on you to test you as though something strange were happening to you. But rejoice in as much as you participate in the sufferings of Christ so that you may be overjoyed when his glory is revealed. So Peter's kind of saying here, he says, hey, don't, don't be thrown off or caught off guard by this fiery trial or this fiery ordeal that you find yourself in because... It's, it's a consistent thing that all of us are going to have to endure and navigate. Uh, last week, we had this statement, and it said this, that how we perceive and navigate trials is probably the single most important factor in our long-term spiritual health and development. And this week, I was in Chicago uh, working with a ministry called Josiah Venture. They work in 17 countries in Europe. And one of the guys who's been on that board for years, he started Sun Life Curriculum, and, um, which is a discipleship thing that's in a, about 203 countries. He's a doctor. He's got books out that, that are, that are made, Dr. Dan Spader. And he was doing the devotional for us on Friday morning before we started uh, the uh, actual board meeting part. And, and Dan was talking about, he's written this whole thing on um, four-chair discipleship. And he said, you know, the calls of, of Jesus in, in, the, in the New Testament are first come and see, then repent and believe and follow, but then go be fishers of men, but then also, not beyond that, go bear much fruit. So he was talking in his devotional about this, and he said, I've been spending the last two years figuring out why 93% of people don't go from chair two to chair three. He said, this has been my passion. And he said that it honestly boils down to a couple things. He said it boils down to busyness, and it boils down to one of the biggest things is bitterness. He says, people go through trials, and it derails them. 
And yes, they hold on to their faith, but they kind of get knocked out of the game. They go through something, and it knocks them out of the game. And I just thought, wow, that's so profound, because we've been kind of in this conversation here at Renovate, that how we perceive and how we navigate trials that are inevitably going to come is going to determine many times our long-term spiritual health, formation, and effectiveness as a believer. So I want to look this morning at an individual who went through a trial in the Old Testament. And we're going to look uniquely in 1 Samuel 30, and it's King David. And if you know anything about David, you know that David went through a, a lot of trials. Uh, we pick up his story in 1 Samuel. You just see him as somebody who's this pure-hearted person. He's out. He is taking care of his father's sheep. He's got this relationship with God. Uh, the Bible says he's good-looking and ruddy. He was kind of overlooked. And all of a sudden, the prophet shows up at his house because God was going to put a new king in and replace King Saul. And God says to Jesse, the father, hey, bring me all your sons. And so Jesse brings him the sons, and, 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 and the prophet's going, no, 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 no. And he's like, hey, none of these, these people are the ones God has called to be the next king. He says, do you have any other sons? He says, yeah, I have one. He's out with the sheep right now. He's a little bit different. He says, call him in. David comes in, and, and immediately Samuel says, this is the one. This is the Lord's anointed. And from that time on, it's 14 years from the time Samuel prays for him and anoints him to be king. For 14 years, David is a fugitive. And you have to understand that, that trials can come into our lives, and we're going to see this, but trials can come into our lives many times for no reason of our own. And that, that, can, be, that can be difficult. Because here we are, and, and we'll see this in the story, but trials can also come into our life because of decisions that we make. And so here's David. David is anointed king. He is just walking in integrity. He's walking with, with the right heart, the right motives. And he's called to Saul's palace. He goes, and he's serving Saul faithfully. And all of a sudden, one day, he shows up on the battlefield with Goliath, and he's just there. He's not a soldier. He's bringing food down to his brothers. He hears Goliath taunting him, the, the armies of Israel. And he says, hey, I'll go fight. And his own brothers say to him, David, you were always insolent and arrogant of heart. You were opportunistic. You came down here just to kind of promote yourself and to get this opportunity. And David's saying, no, you're misjudging me. You're misjudging me. And David has to navigate through that. He said, okay, I mean, seriously, if you read it in Scripture, his own brothers are, are trying to dissuade him 
from, from going out and stepping into the battle and stepping into the call that God has on, on his life, his own brothers. Guys, that's a picture of sometimes in the church, we throw arrows at ourselves. And David is there, and David is fine. He has to navigate this, and he has to gather himself. And he says, okay, I know I'm called to do this. And he steps out into the battlefield, and he takes out Goliath and brings this great victory for the nation of Israel. And they're celebrating, and there's freedom, and, and, and fear is gone, and all this stuff. And he gets back to the city and people begin to, to shout, man, praise to Saul. He's slain his thousands. And praise to David. He has slain his ten thousands. And Saul gets jealous. And Saul, who has already, God had already removed him as king. And he was holding on. And here, David, no fault of his own. David isn't self-promoting. And Saul begins to throw spears at David and try to kill him. And Saul, David then has to flee. And David is on the run. And David is going to all these different places. And he's in a dulem and he's in a cave and he's hiding out and he's with the Philistines. The whole time Saul is unrighteously pursuing him. So the trials that David is going through weren't David's fault. David, there's nothing in Scripture that shows that David's heart was wrong, that, that, that David's character was flawed. There was nothing in that storyline. And so, but David's still having to go through it and endure it. He's having to be in all these different places. So for 14 years, he has to to navigate these trials and navigate these. There's one point in time where David is walking down the road and this guy Shimei comes out and Shimei just begins to curse him and throw rocks at him. Shimei is just, and David, his men say, hey, D David, you want us to go take him out? Shimei was not justified in what he was saying. He, I'm sure Shimei felt he was justified, but he wasn't justified. And David says, no, just leave it into the Lord's hands. We're not going to go shed innocent. We're not going to do this. I have to stay focused on what it is that God is calling me to do. So when we come into 1 Samuel 30, David is, doesn't know it, but he's days away from his breakthrough He's days away from actually coming into his kingship, coming into his leadership after 14 years of being a fugitive and on the run and all these things. And look at what Scripture says in 1 Samuel, starting in verse 1. David and his men reached Ziglag on the third day. Now the Amalekites had raided the Negev and Ziglag. They had attacked Ziglag and burned it and had taken captive the women and everyone else in it, both young and old. They killed none of them, but carried them off as they went on their way. When David and his men reached Ziglag, 
They found it destroyed by fire and their wives and sons and daughters taken captive. So David and his men wept aloud until they had no strength left to weep. David's two wives had been captured, Ahinoam of Jezreel and Abigail, the widow of Nabal of Carmel. David was greatly distressed because the men, the people, were talking of stoning him. Each one was bitter in spirit because of his sons and daughters. So David's been leading these folks, right? They're out, they're, they're, they're pursuing the call that God has on their lives. They come to this place of Ziglag and they find a trial. Come on. There's no trial that we're going through right now that probably compares to the trial that David was going through. Imagine showing up, you're on a short-term mission trip, you come home and you find your house, everybody's house in the congregation burned to the ground. You lose everything and all your wives and children are taken captive and you don't know where they are and you don't know if they're alive. So this is a significant trial that David is going through. I mean, the men, his men were talking of, of stoning him. <laughs> but here's the thing. When you're in a trial... Guys, there's only three things I want to ultimately pull out of this passage of Scripture. When you're in a trial, whether it's in your marriage, in your career, in your calling, in your health, financially, with your children, in the church, whenever you're in a trial, guys, there's three things ultimately you, you are called to do to navigate the trial well. And we're going to see David walk this out. So he's in his trial. Look at what it says. But David found strength in the Lord his God. Then David said to Abiathar the priest, the son of Ahimelech, bring me the ephod. And Abiathar brought it to him. And David inquired of the Lord, shall I pursue this raiding party. In other words, God, give me your perspective on what's happening here. Not the people's perspective. The people's perspective was emotionally driven. David's perspective, God, David was seeking God's perspective. You will see through Scripture that one of David's strongest assets was that David sought the Lord at all times to get his perspective. There was one time where David felt like he was called to go fight the Philistines. He sought God and God said, yes, go. I've given them into your hands. Literally the next chapter in scripture, he asked the Lord again. He says, Lord, shall I go up again? And God says, no, wait Wait here until you hear the sound of the whistling through the mulberry trees and go around the back way. 
David consistently sought. So here's what's happening. Bring me the ephod. Abiathar brought it to him. David inquired of the Lord, shall I pursue this raiding party? Will I overtake them? God speaks back to him. Pursue them, he answered. You will certainly overtake them and succeed in the rescue. So it's important, guys, that when you go through trials, that you get God's perspective so we, you can be in alignment with him. We always, I can't tell you how many times that all of a sudden difficulty starts to come and circumstances are, are kind of going one direction and my emotions are going a certain direction and then I'll go, okay, God, I need to seek you to get your perspective. God, what is it that you're doing? I've had, I've had to do that with, with my kids. When all of a sudden they're going through something or, or there's an attitude or something, and I want to just lash out. I want to, like, put them in their place. I want to do this. And I'll just pause for a second and I'll go, okay, God, show me what, and God will show me something completely different. And he'll go, hey, you know what? Go affirm them. And I'll go, they really need affirmation right now. And it's like, okay, I'll go in to Trey's room. And I'm like, Trey, I just want to, tell you how much I love you and how much I do. And all of a sudden he just opens up. And I'm like, God, I'm so glad that I didn't just react, that I paused for a second. Now, David is an example. You, guys, you have to understand the moment that he's in. Guys, their houses are burned, their wives are gone, their children are gone, they're weeping, they're in distress. They're, the, his men are, it's catastrophic. The men are done. Do you know how easily it would have for him to be moved and led by the circumstances and his emotions? I mean, what if he would have just said, crap, these folks are all going to try to kill me, so I just need to kill them first. And I'm just going to go grab 15, 20 of my guys, and we're just going to go take them all out. Man, it would have been the, the absolute wrong decision. So David did it right, but we see this other leader in Scripture named Saul who consistently did it wrong. And Saul was somebody who inevitably always in those critical moments and in one in particular that I'm going to talk about here right now, in one in particular, God had told Saul through the prophet, Saul, I'm going to offer up a sacrifice and I'm going to send the prophet and he's going to come at this particular time and he's going to offer it and so forth. And Saul was waiting 
And what happens is it says it started to get close to the time when the offering was, was going to be called to be made. And the people started getting restless and leaving. And, and Saul sees it. And he says, we have to do something at this particular juncture, right? I got to take this into my own hands. We got to do something. Doesn't seek God. We got to do something. So he goes and he offers the sacrifice. And as soon as the sacrifice is offered, Samuel walks up and says, Saul, what have you done? And he says, I feared the people. The people were getting restless. The party was ending. People were going on. Da, 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 da. And he says, Saul, you've done a foolish thing. Didn't I tell you that I was going to come at this particular point? And Saul's pattern all the way through his leadership was when things got difficult, Saul responded in the natural. He responded in the natural. And, and, and Samuel says, Saul, like, Saul, honestly, what you've done, you should have just waited. You should have sought the Lord. So, guys, in whatever perspective that you're going through, whatever trial that you're going through, again, it could be a marriage situation. Man, there's sometimes when there's been tension in our marriage and polarization and a wedge in our marriage, and I'll just stop and I'll pause and I'll ask God, God, and he'll show me something, and he'll go, hey, you know what? April's been under a lot of stress and this and that. You know what? Just go and apologize. And I'll go in and I'll go, I am so sorry that I was insensitive. And it break. And I'm, I'm always glad. It's like, God, I'm so glad that I got your perspective. This is what David's doing. So not only is it important to get God's perspective so that we can be in alignment with him, it's important to slow down and submit your emotions to the Holy Spirit. Guys, we are emotional beings. We are called to experience joy. We're called to experience at times um, pain. We're called to experience outrage. We're called to, ex right? These are natural things. When we see injustice done, when, we see, when I see injustice done to someone, something in me rises up. It's like, hey, that's not right. But our emotions can't ultimately lead us. Because our emotions will lead us astray. They always do. If we give in at times to, to fear. And again, what's happening with David here in 1 Samuel 30, you have to understand there's a lot of chatter going on. There's chatter going on around him and people and this and that and what's going to happen and so forth. He had to yield and submit his emotions to the Holy Spirit. Guys, in leading this church, 
I can't ultimately let my emotions dictate that all of a sudden, because guess what? As a leader of the church, I've, I face chatter too, right? The voice of the enemy, all this stuff, right? And I have to quiet my soul and I have to say, okay, emotions, I'm going to put you under the feet of the Holy Spirit. I'm going to put you under the feet of the Word of God. I'm not going to ultimately let my emotions rule. So there's a passage of Scripture that says that to, the Bible says literally to gird up our loins. And what it literally means is, if you look it up in the Greek, it means to tuck in your emotions. To tuck in when you're running this race, it's to tuck in your emotions and not ultimately allow them to lead us. Because again, emotions can deceive us. They can deceive us. So not only did David have to get God's perspective, he had to slow down and submit his emotions to the Holy Spirit. I'm sure he had to I'm sure he had to deal with, with fear. I'm sure that was a, really, a very real emotion when people are talking about stoning you as the leader. I'm sure he had to submit his emotions of anxiety. Come on. I lost Elijah one time at SeaWorld for 38 minutes and I probably took eight years off my life. You know, first five minutes, oh, he's probably over on the other side of the pirate ship. Not there. Oh, he's probably over in the sandbox area. Not there. Man, you get to about 20, 25 minutes, there are all kinds of vain imaginations running through your head. And it's like, David, I'm sure... Had, was dealing with, not only with fear, he was dealing with anxiety, with this situation. Like, what's, what's, hap what's going to happen here? I'm sure he was not only dealing with fear and anxiety, I'm sure he was dealing with discouragement. Dude, it's been 14 years that I've been faithfully following the Lord and trying to he comes to a place one time where Saul is pursuing him, and Saul goes into a cave to, to uh, relieve himself and doesn't know that David's in there. And David could have taken him out right there. Saul was intent on killing David. He had raiding parties looking for him. And David keeps his integrity in the midst of it while Saul is unrighteously pursuing him. And David just cuts off the edge of his garment. And when Saul leaves, David comes out and he says, Saul, Saul, look, I mean you no harm. Look, I could have taken you out. I cut off the edge of your garment. So David's walking for 14 years in righteousness and integrity and patience and all this. 
I'm sure he was dealing with anxiety. I'm sure he was dealing with fear. I'm sure he was dealing with discouragement. Like, God, I know you called me to this. I know you called me to be king. But, but God, when? What's going on? He had to submit those emotions the feelings were very real, but they were going to lead him astray. If he gave in to fear, it was going to cause him to do something. If he gave in to discouragement and depression and just said, guys, this is too much for me, and just walked away from his men, like in Nacho Libre, when Nacho left and went, you know, supposedly way outside, and then he was only 100 yards outside of town. <laughs> if you see the movie, it's super funny. I have to leave now, you know, and he goes, and because he's discouraged. He didn't win his little wrestling thing to get in to wrestle, you know, Ramses. So if you see Nacho Libre, you'll know what I'm talking about. But David could have just walked away. So here's the thing, guys. The enemy always tries to get us to be reactionary God wants us to be responsive. The enemy always wants us to be reactionary. So I'm happy. Oh my God. You know, it's like, dude, just slow down. See what God has to say. Yes, it's challenging. Yes, it's difficult. Okay, let's get God's perspective. Let's put our emotions, let the Holy Spirit lead, and let's be responsive to what God is calling us to do, not reactionary. If you read the rest of 1 Samuel 30, David seeks God. God tells him, go. David, don't, don't worry. Nothing will be lost. Nothing will be lost. And David gets his men, and they go. And if you, again, if you read it, he's on his way. He runs into a guy, meets him. He says, hey. He says, yeah, actually, I was with that raiding party. I got sick. They left me here to die. David says, what's the status? He says, hey, everybody's whole. Everybody's intact. David says, can you take me to him? He says, absolutely. David goes, and Scripture says that not one thing was lost. Not one wife, not one child, not one relationship was lost. God restored. And so David wasn't reactionary. He was responsive. And my pastor at Traders Point, Aaron Brockett, who I deeply respect and esteem. He took over at 31 years of age, of, followed a pastor who had pastored for 25 years, incredible pastor, Howard Brammer. Aaron used to say to our all, staff all the time, the worst mistake a leader can make is to <laughs> the wheel. Because there's always going to be, you know, he had to, Make a decision one time, and 200 people in the church came and said, you know, if you make that decision, 
we're going to leave the church. And he said, but God told me to make this decision. The elders told me to make this decision. I have to obey Christ and not people. And he made the decision, and one person left. And a year from then, the church had grown 1,500 people. There came a point in time when he felt God said to him, I want to do a spontaneous baptism call at the end of a service, at the end of a series called Grace for Here and There. And our worship pastor at the time, Carmen, lover to death, said, I cannot be in agreement with this decision, and I will not be there that Sunday. And Aaron said, but Carmen, God showed me this is what we're supposed to do, and I respect that, but I have to move forward. 278 people got baptized that Sunday. I watched him as a leader, not jerk the wheel. With every sky is falling scenario. I watched him diligently seek God. Not let his emotions roll. Not be reactionary, but be responsive. That's what you have to do as a leader. Last thing. The enemy... Not only does he always try to get us to be reactionary, he just does with our kids, with our marriages, with our finances, with our, he just does. The enemy always tries to work in extremes and God works in realities. The enemy always paints in our brains a worst case scenario. He always does. I've seen it a hundred times in my life where it's like, okay, I have to take, as the Bible says, every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. Every thought. <laughs> Guys, this stuff is real. I mean, I'm going to be like super vulnerable. I was in Carmel, Indiana one time. I'm sitting in my garage and my wife was out walking neighborhoods and a thought hit my brain, she's cheating on you. I thought, well, I don't think that's true. Oh, but she's been gone for two hours. Wow. Maybe she is. Maybe there's a guy in the neighborhood that da, 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 da. she got home and I just unloaded on her. Where were you? Walking through the new houses in our neighborhood that are going in because I like looking at floor plans. I don't think that's true. You, she's like, what? Who are you? <laughs> wow, I, I have a hunch. That's what I said. I have a hunch. She's like, dude, time out. Where is my husband and what have you done with him? Are you from a, did, did you zap him up? Are you, 
And I'm like, no, no, no. I just, I've been feeling. This is a true story, guys. It, it really is. A thought came into my brain. I didn't take it captive. Worked its way into my spirit. And all of a sudden, I was loaded to bear. And it took us two hours to work through it. And all of a sudden, I came out of the fog and realized I had basically just yielded to a vain imagination <laughs> and went through all this relational turmoil. <laughs> the enemy, he does. He always wants to paint extreme pictures. And God comes into it and God says, no. No. I, I don't deal in extremes. I deal in realities. It might look this way, David. Uh-uh. Here's the reality. Everything gets restored. Days later, David is in his kingdom. And I bet you he looked back as he went through this trial at Ziklag in 1 Samuel 30. I bet you he looked back and said, man, I'm so glad that I got God's perspective. I'm so glad I didn't give in to, to my emotions. I'm so glad I didn't give in to vain imaginations. I'm so glad I wasn't reactionary, that I was responsive. I'm so glad that I didn't let the extremes dictate. Whatever trial you're going through, Get God's perspective. It's, it's the most powerful thing in the entire Bible is when we just get his perspective. And then we can go forward. I can always move forward in confidence if, if, if I hear God speaking into my situation. It's like, hey, it might look this way, it might look bad, but here's the deal. I can move forward. You can move forward. We'll have the worship team come up. Let me pray and we'll end with a song. God, thank you so much. Thank you for your truth. Thank you that as we navigate trials increasingly in our lives, in our marriages, in our culture, in our community, God, that um, you want to lead us through them, that our emotions would not be bouncing off walls, that fear would not, we wouldn't be being driven and led by fear, we wouldn't be being driven and led by insecurity, we wouldn't be driven and led by anxiety, but we could be led by you and led by your spirit. Thank you that you say in the midst of it, in the world you'll have trial and tribulation, but in me you can have peace because I've overcome the world. So thank you for that. Allow us to walk this way as your people. And uh, God, we thank you that you lead us and you guide us we can hear from you. We thank you for your wisdom that's from above.
The wisdom that is from above is, first of all, peaceable and righteous and yielding. And God, thank you for that. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, we are so glad that you joined us for our service this morning. If you are interested in learning about how you can start a relationship with Jesus, we would love to be here to talk that through with you. The Bible says in 1 John 5, 12 that whoever has the Son has life. And we really believe that here at Renovate. So again, if you want to start a relationship with Jesus, if you're just interested in learning more about the faith, you have questions, we'd love to hear from you as well. Or if you want to grow as a follower of Jesus or get more involved in what we're doing, we'd love to hear from you. So just go ahead and comment on the platform that you're at or reach out to us by email at info at renovatechurch.com. Again, we're so glad you were able to join us. We hope you have a great week and we look forward to hearing from you soon.